and welcome to the What's the Headline podcast. I am Jake Payne, Editor-in-Chief of Ambrosia for Heads, and this is Reggie Williams, our founder and CEO. And we've been talking to Mayhem, too, before you join, man, about just like, you know, paying dues and, and the road that you guys have taken to get here. Right. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've become a producer that obviously people seek out by name after years of paying dues. Sure. Was there a particular beat or project where you felt like, okay, I've arrived, like things have changed? Um, I feel like right about when um, West did uh, Hitler 2, I had a, 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 you know, a handful of beats on there. I felt like that one was the one that kind of caught on and kind of just got us in the conversation and was a project that people really fucked with at the time. Um, yeah, I'd say that for sure. West definitely... You had some bangers on there for sure. Yeah. That one was good. So I feel like it was definitely the one. And then obviously Fly got it, but I feel like Hitler too was definitely the one that caught on with a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, most of your, your beats are reserved for your crew, Griselda. What makes you decide when you decide when you want to work with an MC outside of the crew? Um, well, I've always been a fan of what um, May and Action had going on out here, body and ever, just the whole the whole team. And I have been tapping in and been watching them on television for quite some time before. So it was, you know, definitely on my list of people that I wanted to work with. And off, I made off, it. Off rip. I made the list. <laughs> so I was waiting patiently, you know, until we, we caught on and we got to meet everybody. And I was like, that shit. And so what's your process? Do you have beats like in the tuck or do you get together and kind of like, you know, feel a person out and like kind of craft it toward them? What's, what's the process? Yeah, like at the, I mean, for instance, for, for the album, I feel like we had like a few things to start and then we kind of just started putting pieces together and kind of figuring out the puzzle once we started cooking and we had those like first few bangers. It was like, oh, all right, okay, we see where this is going. Yeah. That's the first yep. three we did in this crib in Buffalo. Word. Yep. Like I said, I happened to be there. I was there for a show, right? Right, the infamous place. Yeah, the Halloween. Recorded. And we just knocked out literally just three joints casually. Right. Just and that, that that was the start. I think, yo, if I recall, I think it was um, it was chicken Chinese. Yeah. Um, broken rubber bands. Broken rubber bands. And what was the what was the third? Oh, the one. I think the joint with with hologram, but it was just my verse at the time. Really? We started on that one? I think yeah, so. Okay. Maybe not, though. Yeah. Huh? Me. yeah. Right. But or those two, yeah, three, man. And this was over the course, like, Mayhem, you said something before Derringer joined. Like, this was this was years ago that it began? Yeah, it took years. Like I said, we did, we did like, three joints. Then again, like I said, we, we were filming, doing the TV thing, so I was right. gone for almost a year. Then Griselda was blowing up. He was right. going toward it, and then we would just... Lock in whenever we got a chance. Chip right. away, knock out another two, three joints, and yeah. now we're here. And then COVID hit. Right. We we were gonna put it out literally right before COVID, and then we're like, oh, we're gonna wait till this flu passes in three weeks. Then it was like three months. Then it was like one year. Yeah. So then we just started. We added like another song or two, swapped some things out, and um, kept it going. You know, but like I said, the outcome is is beautiful. It's crazy, too, because, I mean, all four of us are clearly hip-hop heads, and you look at your Ready to Dies, your Illmatics, and those albums weren't made in one clip. They were made, like you were saying, of, like, three here, two here, three here. And it's crazy to me because this body of work sounds super cohesive like that. It shows you years don't change things. 
Appreciate that. Love, yeah. No, I'm blessed for sure. I'm gonna appreciate tell you that, though, even put in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I've seen people literally put this project in conversations with those two, and even my mind is blown. I'll be like, nah, it's great, but don't say that. But, right. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just glad to keep working. I really like the marriage of your flow, you know, mayhem and, and kind of the pocket that you create, Derringer. And I told mayhem before you jumped in the car, like, I think, I think that red pesto in particular, just, um, just shows that, you know, um, talk to me about that one. I know mayhem, you said that was one of the ones that you weren't, you know, it was kind of at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we were actually trying to figure out what joint to put Conway on, because Con was there from the jump. Like, even if you hear he has ad libs on different records, like he was rocking with us. Like he's doing, right. he's doing ad libs on what on um on Eric B on the Eric B remix and the end of Trigger Point, and like he was present, and we like figuring out what joint to put him on. And then after it took so long, we were like, yo, let's just do a fresh one. So that was actually one of the last ones, and I'm glad it was. So y'all said this was before, a lot of it was created before COVID, but it sounds timeless. You know, uh, that's the beautiful thing about it. So how do you craft a, a timeless sounding record? I'm still trying to figure it out too, because, you know, it's something that we, we started back then. And, you know, I guess with, with the amount of time that passes, you never know. But I feel like just the overall vibe that we created for it, stood up i sure. tell you like i just try to like make timeless things in general i try to be as timeless as possible just in my life i try not to jump too into fads of what's now what's this like even in terms of my name right like it's gonna sound funny but like mayhem loren like i took that from ralph loren and it, it, it's kind of like ralph loren is timeless like you could wear polo in 92 and look good you could wear polo now now, there were a bunch of brands and things that came in between, but they weren't timeless. Like, Ralph Lauren may not be number one. Like, right now, I guess there's without, whatever Balenciaga, this, that, and the third. But Ralph is always in the conversation. And that's kind of try to, how I try to make myself. Like, what he did with his fashion is what I try to do musically. I know it sounds like bugged out or, or a stretch, but that's just something I always try to do. And I think of, like, certain albums I love, right? Like, and I don't want to imitate them, but I want to take, like, like, you know, like, certain things that, like, you love them, but they've aged. But, like, the War Report sounds timeless. Like, Wu-Tang Forever sounds timeless. Like, sonically, like, it sounds like those things could have came out yesterday. So, those are, like, the blue, hell on earth. Those are, like, blueprints for what I do. You know, it's not just beats of the time or slang of the time. It's like, nah, I'm trying to make this forever shit, you know? Yeah. And Darren's the best person to do it with. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, Darren, you know, listening to your productions, it's clear that you're your knowledge of music is extensive how do you what's your process for finding samples because like you you pull out sounds that i've never heard before yeah and that's definitely always something i've been um heavy on too especially with the amount of you know public information with all the music that you could get now it's, it's good to just dig a little bit deeper and find some stuff that you know is sounds familiar but is still new at the same time so i've definitely always been big on that and um always buying records still getting inspiration from that at the end of the day so that's really where it's coming from mm. always you know, always listening you know he has carpal tunnel from carrying records his little hands are broken <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making that up but now he's, he's always still buying records so. yeah that's always been a big piece of it you know of course with the you always find fire on online now because it's kind of hard to avoid it it's it's everywhere now but still like 
going to the stores and actually like doing the homework and still hunting it down has always been a big thing of mine. So, is there a particular genre you lock into, like jazz or, or like you just like, all over? It's always like all over now. Yeah, it's definitely like a few. Always jazz and the you know the subgenres of it. Always rock music. Always soul. You know what I mean? So it's like once you start collecting all the genres, it starts getting crazy. Mm. You know, I'm curious to ask you, Derringer, like, you know, I know, like Mayhem told us a moment ago, it was Alchemist that, you know, introduced him to your production many years ago. Um, And obviously, you know, people make their comparisons, I think, generationally of, you know, discovering you over the last, you know, five to 10 years and comparing you against guys that came 10, 20, so forth years before you. I'm curious to ask you, like, who who are your North Stars? I'm sure that Alchemist is the one that a lot of critics and fans point out. But who else really led you to go down this path? I mean, it was it was plenty, but it was very heavy. You know, Premier, Pete, Large, Rizza, of course, um, Alchemist, of course. Man, there were so many. Mm-hmm. And then just being into it's just crazy. Once we start getting down to it, down to like beat miners and you know tip and have and just the whole mob deep shit and man it's so crazy once we start i know i'm forgetting a few DITC of course it was really all over the place like everybody listened to that shit for a while it definitely sunk in and it was like yeah this is what i want to do and it was kind of crazy because the family background too was like a lot of people think that that's what i was really trying to do but a lot of those beats that i started making with my father being a pianist, I started going through the records at home and finding that I had a lot of that similar type of thing. So naturally, when I started making those type of beats, it was kind of similar. You needed your father to play broken rubber bands. For real. <laughs> that would have been legendary. Word. Shout out to him. What kind of music? Broken rubber bands, yeah, too. Some, some background. What kind of music was he playing in the house? Jazz. Yeah. Jazz. So okay. Jazz yeah. piano and like, you know, a lot of Herbie Hancock and just like a lot of random jazz blue note stuff and through merchant just a lot of stuff for me to go through uh and start you know figuring out what i liked and so yeah it's kind of crazy so y'all are in queens now right and mayhem you rep queens you know hard on the album and you know just generally so we talked about az earlier but who are some of your favorite uh queens mcs oh man like Shit, there's so many, man. You got to just want to go through Queensbridge in general. You could just knock out, like, Nas, Nature, Mob Deep, Capone, Nori, you know, Nori's from Left Bank, but it's like that. That's just alone. I mean, then then you got, I mean, I love everything from Queens. Down to 50, I mean, 50, even the first Lost Boys album is one of my favorite albums ever, man. You got Tribe. It's just so much G-Rap. G-Rap's probably my favorite rapper of all time. I mean, just Queens is endless. Shout out Royal Flush, man. Like, like there's so many sleepers from Queens, you know what I mean? It just made great things. LL Cool J, I mean, legend. Like, there's so many people from Queens that I forgot maybe the biggest person from Queens. Like, I just added LL because that's, that's how oversaturated Queens mm. is with just L shit, you know what I mean? So it's just a great place to... um grow up and soak up and just you know a lot of people from there to look up to you know yeah run and d yeah for sure so you know people talk about you know brooklyn swagger and like or, or brooklyn's attitude and harlem swagger but what makes an mc distinctly queens you know um 
I don't know. Like it's just you just you just know it's just a. I think they're real descriptive. I think we're good at painting pictures in Queens. You know, I think Brooklyn is really good with some, um, like you said, swag, punchlines, et cetera, et cetera. But like Queens is like, there's a lot of rappers from Queens that, for example, there's rappers that may not be the greatest rapper, but you feel them so much as a personality that's like you could see through their eyes, which is a gift in its own. Where it's like they may not be super rapidly rap or have the best um poetic ability but it's just it's just real it's just real visual i, I guess there's a question i say it's visual like anytime a queen's rapper is, is speaking you see what they're saying if that makes any sense you know yeah makes, makes perfect sense because one of the things that i think about this album in particular is like the lyrics are cinematic and i think the music is too derringer i mean you complimented a lot of times i think your sounds feel like they're out of 70s or 80s, like film or TV scores, you know, like, you know, that, that, you know, we've seen time and time again. I'm curious to ask you, Mayhem, like, you know, being so cinematic, given what you just said about the Queen's imagery, um, I look at a song like Valedictorians, which kind of feels like a coming to age in the chorus, you know, you know, learning, learning fast. Um, Is there a film or a piece of visual media that really resonates like with your upbringing that you can point to and say, yeah, that's me. No, I have just not, 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 not just one, to be honest, it's a bunch of things. If you were to piece together, maybe nine and a half movies and <laughs> six screenplays and one cartoon, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But like, nah, I, I can't think of one exactly, but that's tough. You know? What So, yeah, so Derringer, I got a question for you. Um, you know, a lot of hip hop's greatest labels are built around a, a producer or a crew of producers. You know, Death Row, No Limit, Cash Money, TDE, Bad Boy. Right. Which are some of your favorites and what have you learned from them in building Griselda? Definitely everybody that you have just mentioned, for sure. Um, man, start thinking about it. It's actually it's kind of kind of crazy, right? Sure. But yeah, definitely everybody that you had mentioned. Um, just trying to think off top. What else are we missing that you just that you had named? Um, yeah. Man, yeah, I gotta go back. I'm sorry. Back to the Queen's question. Yeah. And I don't know how. I, that's what I'm telling you. There's just back. there's just so many people right. from Queens that you ask that question, you're gonna forget someone like. Or, yeah, so and especially for producers still too. I'm thinking on and on, and I definitely missed a few, few yeah. people myself. Shit, yeah. Mad Lib, of course. I didn't mention Mad Lib. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. High tech at the time too, like all that stuff had like I was listening to all of that shit. So that really just like fucking with all the different producers definitely. And what what did you learn from stuff. them and building Griselda? Um, it was really once me and Wes locked in, and we just you know, I seen exactly what the vision was and what the sound needed to be. It was definitely like okay, okay lock in mode, and this is what we need to do. 
I feel like we started just doing it. And then, man, once I know Wes was just started laying a lot of this down on, and then Conway came and then all the pieces just started getting put together. And then Benny coming around after everything, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see where it is now and everything that we did to get to this point for sure. It's, it's a blessing for sure. I love it. Listen, I'm yeah. from 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 a fan like on the outside though, just watching that sure. whole thing grow and blow was yeah. just amazing. Cause I knew from early, like, yo, I'll fuck with these dudes, but to see where they took it, man, I'm just right. couldn't be happier. For real. Sure. Especially all of us coming from the from the city. Um most uh-huh. of the times like the producer lived outside of the city, maybe when the groups were put together and or so for everybody to be from the city. And do it collectively. I feel like it's a big thing too, for sure. Mm. How would you describe your sound and vision? For me, probably fucking ridiculous to say, but sick and crazy for sure. Definitely something wrong with me at the end of the day for me to be choosing these particular sounds and, and uh, <laughs> putting drums on them. And making these fails, but yeah, shit, it's it's. Yeah, he, he, he has a. He, I'm not gonna lie, he, he has a devious sound. Like I, I have a similar subject matter in general, yeah. but with Derringer, I feel like when I hear Derringer beats, there's only one thing I can rap about, and it's nothing sure. good, bro. Like it's just, I, that's just what it is. Yeah. You know? Sinister. There is, a, there is a lighter side, though. Yeah. There is a lighter side. I will say that. So I got it, you know, particularly the ones that get picked are like more of the grimy type of field shit. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I'm the one who picks the yeah. evil. I skip the flute samples and pick the evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all the music, it's just, it, it varies. But yeah, it's, it's dope that, you know, when just a particular thing seems to work. Have, so, has, you, has you, you know, coming from that musical background with your father, have how have you had a chance to watch him react to your success? Um, not so much. I, I still think he's trying to understand what's going on. He's not really sure. Still, he's like one bar loop, two bar loop. You know, he's quite not understanding the simplicity aspect of it, really. So that's cool. But as far as like, you know, like picking and picking the samples out and finding the parts and putting it together, you know, definitely mm-hmm. appreciates that for sure. Definitely got to have it here to do it. So absolutely. Um, so, you know, Mayhem, on the album, you reference uh, Brennan and Carr on Trigger Point Therapy, um, which has been a spot, you know, you mentioned the TV. That's been a spot I've been trying to check out next time I'm in the city for a while. Both of you guys are on your way to dinner right now. Um, you know, and this album comes out on Black Truffle Enterprises. Do you see yourself getting more into, like, the food and hospitality game as an owner, as a chef, as, you know, something... I mean... There's not immediate plans, but a thousand percent. I mean, the love I have for food is the same love I have for music. You know what I mean? And and if we're going to be quite frank, there's probably more longevity in food than music. Mm. So I definitely want to head in that direction. I don't know if I'm going to come out first with a spice line, if I'm going to actually open a restaurant. I've been in talks about a bunch of things, but yeah, I'm going to have my, my, you know, self-involved in the food world i'm just figuring out the best lane to start with because you got to start strong and then grow so i don't want to make the wrong move and then figure it out you know yeah i thoroughly enjoyed you know the stuff you do with vice um you know i I really i hope to see more of that content from you 
because you, wherever you were, you made it look real and authentic, and that's just like your music. Yeah, I mean, it was. We, we just were literally just enjoying life, and um, a lot of a lot of those moments are so great because we're literally experiencing things for the first time. It wasn't like, oh, this is my tenth trip to Morocco. Let me pretend to act surprised. Like, nah, dog. This is the first day here, and there's a camera in our face catching all of that. So, you know, that, that, that was amazing. Right. So, so we that, talked about uh, this a bit off camera, uh, but, you know, one of the lines that jumped at me was million dollar conversations. And that's a powerful line and like paints a picture. But can you describe for the people, you don't have to get into the specifics, obviously, but what the types of conversations that are million dollar conversations you talked about looking forward in the future. And obviously you're thinking about building enterprises. So can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I'll be honest, man. Um, any 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 conversation that's a lucrative conversation and you're bu- building with someone who wants to be consistent can be a million dollar conversation literally every conversation about making money has potential to grow to a million dollar combo so whether you're talking about doing a project and then it turns into a series of projects that's a million dollars or whether you want to sell sandwiches and eventually open restaurants like whatever it is you want to be a re- they, anything you put your mind to and literally are consistent with can become a million-dollar convo. So I was basically just saying, um, just having com- having positive convos, not really sitting gossiping and talking about bullshit. When you're sitting down talking about building, it all has the potential to reach the sky. So that's what I'm saying, like, non-specifically, you know? You know, Derringer, I remember about 20 years ago when critics and fans, everybody was, like, pestering Ninth Wonder and Kanye West, Just Blaze, about soul sampling. Like, right. the questions about that, you know, had an effect on their sound. I think they each one of them moved past it in a way. And I see a lot of discussion online. People are always talking about drums and, and beats with no drums and this and that. And one thing I will say is Black Vladimir, like I said, phenomenal marriage of, of pockets and flows. I love the drumming on this album. But is there a question like that that gets tiring for you and all of your kind of evolution over the last 510? Absolutely. And we were just talking about this, too. It's just really that there's no rules to it at the end of the day. You know, it's like no rule to how to make a beat at the end of the day. And then the whole no drums thing is like, you know, it's a whole nother conversation, too, because a lot of times there's drums in the music. It's just, you know, is it in the forefront or is it behind or is it in the middle? You know, there's ways to ways to do it. So it, it's all preference at the end of the day, too. But um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm curious to ask you too. Best. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. What'd you say there? No, I was just saying like whatever is the best feel at the end of the day. Sometimes it doesn't need to be so in the forefront, you know, yeah. or on top of it. Whereas you know, maybe at the time, a lot of the records that were inspired by the drums were in the forefront at that time more so. That was like the thing. So, whereas now maybe the music's in the forefront and the drums are more background things. So mm-hmm. it just feel at the end of the day if it feels good you don't have to really do you know do all that and then you guys are talking about the soul music too it's it's it gets tricky messing with soul music and adding drums over the rhythms that are already great in those records so you know you've done a really interesting thing in that you've created a lane for yourself but you've put on a lot of other folks you know on production and we're seeing that more and more on Griselda projects obviously this one is all you Talk to me of that challenge, because on one hand, I think you represent, you know, the, the, the manifestation of a dream that a lot of guys have and, and women, too. But on the other, like, here you are, like, sharing the light, but you're finding distinct voices to bring with you. Like, talk to me about that challenge. 
Right. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it's just having the, the different styles of music and just being into all the different type of things I feel like helps when you're putting an album together. You know, when you're digging into one particular sound, maybe, you know, it's going to sound all the same or similar, which a lot of people already seem to, you know, say that about me. I see a lot. You know, they think it's just like one style of beat, but it's really, you know, different different things on everything. It's not like we're reusing the same records and the same drums on every song. It's really just able to do it and switch it up and still make fire. Yeah, so a lot of projects have started off as one-offs, you know, uh, the collaborations between producers and MCs that have grown to long-term collaborations. Uh, so I think about Ninth and Murs, what they've done, Royce and Primo now, mm. Currency and Alchemist. Can you guys see making albums in the future over time? Yeah, 100%. E- even Absolutely. if he wakes up and hates me tomorrow, I'm <laughs> going to shake him down and say, we're doing part two. I know you have more. It's not about us. It's about the people. Thanks. For all you know, he could hate me right now. He could secretly be stabbing me in the ribs. This <laughs> doesn't matter. We're going to get the work done. Yeah. <laughs> but now, on a serious note, yeah, I mean, this, this is my man. This is my friend. Like, honestly, more than we even do music, we just get on the phone and laugh. We we just do a lot of laughing. And every now and then make a song. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I see us working for, for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm forgetting names too. I gotta throw Ronda Jules in there too. I can see that too. So yeah. So Darren, you you mentioned that that you got a you know diverse more. It sounds to me like you have other things in the tuck that would be surprising to people. Like, can you talk about some of those beats? Yeah, just as more as like more melody stuff and just you know like a lot of the. I've always been into those genres as well. So naturally, a lot of the Bronson joints you did different yeah, than, than, than the yeah, traditional right. sounds. Like a lot of joints done on the Bronson albums have a whole different vibe. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely in the vault. Definitely, you know, got shit like that too. So definitely going to be, you know, something I work towards is like trying to get those other sounds out to not just be one thing or what people think I could just do. You know, one type of beat. So. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good to these next few years with everything going on. I'm excited, yeah, to see everything, you know, what happens these next few years. We definitely need to make part two. Okay. And I love to see that everybody's, you know, the whole feedback on the album, too. It's just good to know that we could, you know, cook a plate and people are talking about it, you know. You ever think about doing a themed instrumental series? Yeah, there's definitely some, um, some things I'm trying to sort out. Yeah, one right right? yeah. Um, yeah, I did the one with the Baker's Dozen with Fab Beats. That was mm-hmm. um, when I first moved to New York. So that yeah. might have been like 2018, maybe. Yeah. And then I am working on some shit now for my platform and that I'll be having on the website soon to share. So, mm-hmm. excellent. works. You know, yes, sir. Mayhem on Raspberry Crush, you wrap this line. You say New Balance supports Trump and Jordan supports prisons. I'm still walking both because fashion distorts vision. And to me, that's such a slick line because, you know, so many people might do something and not say what's behind it. But like you, I don't know. There's a lot to that. Can you talk to me about that line? Because I know obviously people know you from rap, from fashion, but you you, kind of say the quiet part out loud. I'm going to talk to you about that line. Like, yeah, again, like you said, I said, 
New Balance supports Trump. Jordan supports prison. I'm still rocking both because fashion distorts vision. But I want to publicly apologize because I fucked up with that line. Mm. The Michael Jordan who invests in private prisons is not Michael Jordan who makes Jordans. (laughs) So I fucked up and I apologize to Michael Jordan. Even though I said I still wear them because the point of it was I know this, but I'm still going to rock what I rock. So that was a line where at the moment I wanted something and I thought I was sharing it, but we, yo, we all make mistakes and I, I'm manning up and saying my bad about that, you know? That makes me feel better personally, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, 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 you know, at, at the moment, the point was like, even though we know certain things and feel certain things, we're still going to do what we want and not fun about it. And that was like, again, just me being honest, because even if Michael Jordan did support private prisons, I still probably have on some Carmine Sixes feeling good that day because we're all, we're not perfect. So that was just yeah. me, you know, throwing something out there, but I fucked up with that line. I really did. Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. I, I don't even, I'm not, I've, I've made it 38 years without owning a pair of Jordans. Don't ask me why, but I, uh, I thought that so line I was crazy. You, you, you were 12? Yeah. Okay. If you were 12, there would be one more person trying to buy my pair. So I'm glad you don't have Jordans. <laughs> I'm a 12 too. So we all going to be in there. All right. Oh man. <laughs> those sixes. <laughs> All right, so we talked about prisons, and we talked about MJ. Uh, Jay-Z calls himself the MJ of recording and has recently devoted a lot of his life to getting people out of prisons. Uh, What did you guys think about uh, the verse heard around the world this past Friday on God Did? You know, I'll be so honest. I saw the tweets. I saw the Instagram. I still haven't sat down with the God Did album yet. I have not heard the verse. I have not heard the project. I'm going to. I'll probably listen to it tonight, but I've just been running around. I have some personal things going on. I've been celebrating Vladimir. I've just been staring in the mirror, popping bottles of champagne with my album on repeat, but I will get to it, and I'm sure it's great, because Hove is great, you know, but I ain't hear it yet. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Dad, you hear it? Hove went crazy. Hove. Hove. You know what Hove's going to do every time, you know? He just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. So, um, effortless. What am 